Hey, it's Liz Kelly, and welcome to the Ringer Podcast Network. A new season of The Bachelor began this week, which means Bachelor Party with Juliet Lippman is back in full swing. She's back twice a week with Monday's show covering each new episode and Thursday's show covering Vanderpump Rules with several appearances from David Jacoby. This week, The Bachelor himself, Peter Weber, joins Juliet to talk about the season ahead. You can subscribe to Bachelor Party wherever you get your podcasts and join the Bachelor Party Facebook group for insights, gossip, breaking news, and more. Welcome to Jam Session. Here on a Monday, I'm Juliette Littman. I'm Amanda Dobbins. The Queen, she's released a statement. The summit has happened at Sandringham, so we had to jump behind the mic and discuss. We have a lot to discuss. There has been a lot of coverage since we last met to discuss Harry and Meghan. Whether a lot... And not a lot's happened, but yeah. a lot of coverage. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. yeah. But I have to be honest, I've really enjoyed the coverage. I've read a lot of it. Me too. What's been your go-to source? It's been interesting. Obviously, I read the Daily Mail against my better instincts and judgment. And I I have the um, I know that I'm reading the Daily Mail when I'm reading the Daily Mail and I know not to trust it. But they have been aggregating a lot, which has been useful. Yeah, they have also been breaking some news. Yeah. The Evening Standard seems to be really in the mix. Um, I have been also easy to read, very clean interface. Yes. I have been reading a lot of live blogs from various uh, British web- newspaper websites. British newspaper websites still love that live blog, but I've found them to be helpful for um, finding tweets and various uh, perspectives. Sure. I don't know. Yeah, totally. Um, I've been reading the Evening Standard a lot as well. And then Page Six just is airing the shit out of all of this. They are. So that's been helpful as well. There's a lot. There's, and then I really. Crazy Days and Nights is a major um, blind item website, which sometimes is right, sometimes is not. Has had a lot of Megan and Harry coverage, and I think a lot of it has actually borne out. He has a Patreon podcast, which I haven't listened to, <laughs> but I'm considering subscribing to because I think he has like some a lot of inside info. So I'll report back on that. But let's get into what's happened beginning with today's Royal Summit, which was um, the Queen, Prince Charles, Prince William, Harry... And their households, like like representatives from their teams, essentially meeting at the Queen's estate uh, in Norfolk, Sandringham. Mm -hmm. Um, They met around 2 p.m. local time, wrapped up around 5 p.m. local time, which here in the United States, we're currently recording 1115. That was about two hours ago. Yes. And following the the summit, the Queen on her Buckingham Palace stationery released a statement that said... Today, my family had very constructive discussions on the future of my grandson and his family. My family and I are entirely supportive of Harry and Meghan's desire to create a new life as a young family. Although we would have preferred them to remain full-time working members of the royal family, we respect and understand their wish to live a more independent life as a value as a family while remaining a valued part of my family. Harry and Meghan have made clear that they do not want to be reliant on public funds in their new lives. It has therefore been agreed that there will be a period of transition in which the Sussexes will spend time in Canada and the UK. These are complex matters for my family to resolve, and there is some more work to be done, but I've asked for final decisions to be reached in the coming days. Amanda, what's your first reaction? So it seemed like they had this ready. I, I, did this reflect anything that actually happened in the no three hours? Information. Yeah, it was like five o'clock. Everybody, everybody left. And the timeline for this summit had been leaked ahead of time. We like know two that, days ago. Yeah, we know that it was in like the Sandringham Library, which used to be a bowling, bowling alley. Okay, yeah. great stuff. Good very, job, everybody. Very there will be blood. I'll drink your milkshake. Yeah. And it was a real, there were there was a press scrum like on the estate. 
And so you saw everybody going, you saw everybody leaving. There were a lot of jokes about like, you know, the white smoke coming from the from the estate, like, like when the Vatican. They, exactly. When they make a new pope. So anyway, this scene was, in the film Euro Trip. Yes. And, and also in the film The Two Popes. <laughs> uh, but this was released almost as soon as the summit was over and doesn't have any real specifics, which to me indicates that it was drafted ahead of time. And they knew that what they wanted to um, advertise, which was unity. It's emphasizing that Harry and Meghan are part of the family. I think it's notable that she uses Harry and Meghan, my grandson. She's speaking with like my and I. It's very personal statement. The, the my and I is what stood out the most to yeah. me, which is that it was the, the queen speaking and like resting control of the situation. Right. She wasn't allowing it to be like a, like the statement from um, the day broke on Wednesday was far more formal. Like it was Buckingham Palace responding. This is the queen um, this says statement from Her Majesty the Queen doesn't say statement from Buckingham Palace. Like this is her sort of asserting her authority um, to say like I'm handling this and things are going to go the way that I want them to from now on, right. or the way that I allow, if not want. Totally that, and I think also she says my family multiple times, and I think it is to me reiterating that they are a part of the family, and I think she is both trying to keep them close and kind of maybe. Tamper, tamp down some of the they're they're quitting the family the like the family rift aspect of this which has been yeah. like quite uh, dramatic and also remind every, if they can keep it on the family aspects then maybe people aren't going to be worrying about things like money and how they're going to use the royal family name and all of that um, kind of more procedural or like constitutional stuff right totally. And I also think it, uh, the other statement that came out today, shortly before this, was a joint statement from Will and Harry, yeah. where they both um, adamantly denied claims that Harry felt bullied. And since he spent so much time devoted to, com- they both do, combating mental health, those were uh, claims that were particularly disturbing to them. And I think t- this, everything today was about sort of sh- a show of unity from the family and making it clear that though this may not be what everyone had wanted in a perfect world, they're now like moving forward on the same page, essentially. Yes. And trying to reframe it as a as a family rift and a family matter, as opposed to, number one, public business, and also a, as a allocation of, of, of funds or titles or things that other people can have a say in. Right. If that makes any sense. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And I, I think it's really interesting that the financial independence is still a part of this statement. Like, that's still something they're really um, intent on messaging, both as a family and for the couple. Well, I think that that is the one thing they have to talk about because whether or not anyone in the royal family takes taxpayer money is at the crux of so many of these issues. And specifically, it is the thing that's used against the royal family all the time. Right. And in the press, it's, you know, we pay for them, so we have access to X, Y, Z. Right. Like they just spent $4 million on Frogmore Cottage and now they're taking a private jet somewhere else. Exactly. And it's it's essentially the reason for the royal family's accountability to the public right? at this point. I have a question for you that you may not know the answer to. Okay. One thing, and we covered this a little bit last week, the money that they specifically will no longer be taking is um, from the sover- sovereign, uh, what's it called? The s- fund, Yes, I believe, the sovereign fund. The new version of the civil list. Yes. Yeah. But that doesn't mean they won't be taking money from Prince Charles. Yes. And that's still, like, though handed down over literally centuries, he's still, like, a public figure with a private trust. 
So it doesn't mean that they're giving up all of their family money. It just means that they're, they're giving up the 5% that came from the sovereign trust. Yes, correct. I think that's a really important distinction. And we talked about it in the last podcast when I was like, I compared it to like giving up the cell phone bill. Yeah. Being like, I'm going to pay my own cell phone bill now. But I, I think that that has clearly, at least according to all the behind the scenes reports, which we should get into a lot, the fact that they are going to keep taking Charles's money or they expect to keep taking Charles's money. Um, and he pays for a majority of their their costs of living from from his technically private wealth, but it is inherited wealth that comes from estates that were established like literally in medi- medieval times. Yeah. Like honestly, like they signed the Magna Carta and then they did this. I, I'm, that's not an exaggeration. So and and the reasoning for them to be able to get those funds is because I mean, they're his sons, obviously, but it's kind of like agreed upon that, you know, they're working for the the royal family. And so they have all this money. And there was some whispers. There were some reports that maybe they would be entitled to less of it. And that was going to be a, a point of contention. And Charles was really mad about it. In addition to that, Harry has a lot of money that he inherited from Princess Diana. Right. Which I think most of her personal wealth came from the queen in the divorce settlement because the queen paid the divorce settlement, not Charles. Right. And then also some inherited money from his grandmother, who was the the, the queen mother, right. whose money also essentially comes from the taxpayers. So listen, it's all technically, you know, in terms of taxes and 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 spreadsheets and how it's all accounted for, I guess it's private inherited wealth. If I were a British person, pay a taxpayer, I don't know. I it. it it kind of seems like they're only cutting off funds in name. Yeah, basically. Yeah. And keeping the the titles, which which if not allows them, doesn't necessarily give them money as it was before, as has come out, sort of like has a lot of benefits that go along with it. It's like being able to keep a certain name, essentially. And I and I do think that there's like also like just like a psychic power of still being an HRH. Yes. That they don't want to give up. Uh, yeah, because that is a title that not the title, but the HRH is a designation that's specifically given from the queen and or the sovereign. And it's something that they took away from Princess Diana. Right. Um, when she her divorce from Charles became final. And that was like a big deal at the time, especially because Sarah kept hers. Yeah. And it was considered to be a snub. And as always, I recommend the Tina Brown book, Diana Chronicles, <laughs> for like a thousand reasons. But definition this, of an evergreen tweet. Definition of uh, just just please read it already. But but there are a lot of the chapters really from the time that she and Charles were separated on and kind of what the HRH title confers like within the family and also outside of the family are pretty interesting. And I think obviously things change 20 or 25 years later, but it's it's relevant. And it's relevant in terms of their pecking order in the royal family, in terms of it's relevant in terms of um, what they're entitled to, I believe, in terms of security and other issues, which is a, a big one. Who's going to pay for their security is a ongoing question. Right. Um, and I think also we should talk about them trying to make money on their own. Yeah. Well, I just have one question for yeah. you before we get to that. Yeah. Do you think that some of this is like... Um, a clear course correction from how things went down with Diana, where they're trying to um, emphasize family and like more accommodation. Like to what extent do you think we should read the Queen's statement out of the summit in that light? 
Absolutely, yes. And I think they're probably, you know, Harry is Diana's son. And I think certain character traits and certain strategic, especially with the media choices, are definitely reminiscent of Diana. And they're, I think they're both trying to not spite him in the way that they did Diana. I think everyone has agreed upon that the taking the HRH thing was just unnecessary and exposed her to a lot of uh, media coverage and other situations that uh, were not helpful. And uh, also, obviously, the way that the royal family handled um, the death of Princess Diana and didn't show enough feeling, which is now the subject of a, a Peter Crown, a Peter Morgan movie called The Queen, starring <laughs> Helen Mirren, not to be confused with Peter Morgan's The Crown. So I, I think that they are learning from both of those and trying to both be more outward in their like show of feeling and to not make the same mistakes also because Harry and Meghan are so popular and they don't want to be on the other side of it. They were very much on the other side of it with Diana. Right. Yeah. Let's, before we get into how they're, they're going to make their money, let's talk about some of the other ways that some other context of today's meeting, other things that happened over the weekend. So I think it's kind of interesting. Um, Prince William Almost never gives interviews. Very infrequently mm-hmm. do we get a, a Will quote that's outside of one of his speaking engagements of, like, extremely bland, prepared remarks. He gave a, qu- a quote to the Sunday Times. Did he or did a friend? A friend. You're right. A, a friend. Fr- a friend did. And I think pretty much every single thing... Has been through a friend. Is through a friend. But you can, at this point, as- like, start describing, okay, well, like, Tom Bradby is definitely speaking for Harry and yeah. Megan. And the friend is, like, definitely speaking for the, the Sun. For William in the Sunday Times, because I also think the Sunday Times um, is more reputable. Well, yeah, kind of, kind of, but it's more like stodgy Tory and isn't going to screw up its relationship. It also had like an I quote. It wasn't even like a source to say. It was like Her- Will gave a quote to to then gave it to like the newspaper, and it was I put my arm around my brother all of our lives, and I can't do that anymore. We're separate entities. People really run with that, um, right? Though it was again like a mediated quote, essentially. Right. And then there was another source, quote, close to William, who said that he doesn't recognize the actual quote, but that the sentiment is accurate. Right. Which is basically their way of saying, yeah, like, yes, this is how he feels. Yeah. And I think more to the point, you can read that as William's strategy in the press is to play the like the sad, confused brother who just feel doesn't really understand what's going on. Right. Or 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 feel misses his or misses Harry. Right. Yeah. Not taking much agency, whether there is some to be taken or yeah. not, is up for debate, but just sort of being like, I'm sad. Right. This is sad. Um, one thing that I also found really fascinating, which is from Elizabeth Holmes, not not the Theranos women's, but the other ones. Mm-hmm. Um, Instagram, well, she pointed out that the queen basically did like a photo call on the way to church yesterday wearing all brown, mm-hmm. which is a color she almost never wears. It looked similar to what Megan was wearing. Um, for their last engagement when they went to visit um, the Canadian gov- Canadian consulate in the UK. And she just pointed out that that could have been interpreted as an olive branch to Megan uh, trying to, like, match her, which, it, who knows if that's true? I thought that was interesting analysis. And, you know, if the, she, you know, Elizabeth Holmes' trade is kind of dissecting their fashion to understand the messaging. And um, true or not, I think the Queen now, both between the photo call yesterday and the statement today, has really tried to play peacemaker and smooth things over in a very active, assertive way that uh, really undermines, or not undermines, but sort of is ca- counter to a lot of the reports. Like, she's planning to hand over the monarchy to Charles, and 
Charles and Will handled all of the Andrew stuff. Like, I just think it's cool that this is, she's kind of putting herself front and center and making this a kind of like resting control. And I just thought that was interesting. Yeah, I I think that's a good point. With these things, I always wonder to what extent it's her and to what extent it's her advisors. Right. And some of the scuttlebutt in the past few days is that um, Prince Edward and Princess Anne, who are the two non-Andrew siblings, <laughs> um, have been really critical of Edward Young, who is the Queen's private secretary and who they feel has just been totally asleep at the wheel. And I think that was the case even with the Andrew stuff, yeah. which the fact that he was allowed to give that interview that there hasn't really um, and also that then that the Harry and Meghan situation got to a point where they were uh, posting websites without uh, notifying the queen or, frankly, after being told directly by the queen not to, which seems to be the case. We can talk about that timeline. It's kind of gone back and forth of who knew what and who is in charge yeah. and who is not. But it, everyone seems to be agreed that the the private secretary who's like supposed to be the enforcer is enforcing nothing. Yeah. And I think that uh, her prominence is a direct result of them realizing that there's just kind of been a vacuum and someone needs to to be in charge here because they're all going to be squabbling otherwise. I would just love for a Princess Anne tell-all. I just feel like yeah. she's got all the good stories. She's older like Charles, so she's she's been around for like all phases of the queen. She's also the way she's portrayed in the crown is that she knows what's up. Yes. I, don't, I don't know if that's true, but I would just like love a Princess Anne tell-all. She seems she's the no nonsense, doesn't want to deal with it. Yeah. Kind of Philip-esque, which is definitely portrayed in The Crown. Yes, definitely. Um, and you know, has lived a life of her own, has had she was part of a kidnapping attempt. She has definitely had her own romance scandal. Yeah, she's divorced. she is a, an accomplished equestrian. She has two kids who she's but Sarah Phillips over the weekend. She's not allowed to drive for six months. Oh, God. Because of a DUI. Yeah. Well, and, then, and then the page six also, to pair with all of this, like what I would say is pretty negative coverage of Harry and Meghan, did an absolute, just like, just a hack job on Kitty Spencer, one of Harry's cousins. It's just like, the press is out of control. We'll we'll get to that in a, in a few minutes. But um, let's talk about what it means for them to become financially independent. And I think we have to address, no pun intended, the elephant in the room. <laughs> <laughs> Megan's alleged voiceover deals with Disney. This, this is the most delightful and excruciating thing that happened this weekend is this video surfacing. So it came out that Megan already has the voiceover deal at Disney and because she currently can't get paid, they'll, they're making a large donation in her name to um, an elephant protection charity. So that was my elephant pun. Thank you very much. Um, so that came out and a lot of eye rolling over that. And then the Daily Mail resurfaced a video from the Lion King premiere where Harry is Harry and Meghan are separately, but they're staying next to each other, but he is greeting Bob Iger and Willow Bay while she is greeting Beyonce and Jay-Z. It's an absolute power quintet. It's un those six people like just could do anything. They it, really could. It's pretty amazing. Beyonce, Jay-Z, Bob Iger, Willow Bay, Prince Harry, and Meghan Markle. What a fucking six of. And then basically in the video, you kind of mostly See and hear Harry asking Bob Iger for voiceover work for Meghan Markle. And he and Bob Iger's really surprised. <laughs> That's the thing that is really tough is and you did point out that everything else is crystal clear except for this sentence in which Harry allegedly is asked allegedly for asked for voiceover work. And I, I think this is like 90 percent real. Like 10 okay. percent of me is like, 
a little going Zapruder on this because you can't see. There's a voice. There, there's subtitles, and I even I like turned the set the volume really high. I tried to like make it out myself. Um, the, allegedly, the first line of this exchange is Harry saying to Bob Iger, "She wants to do voiceover work, you know." And you can't actually, you can't really make that out. Yeah. It's like, you actually can't. Unless you have like extreme audio enhancement, which I, software, which I don't have. And so the very first line that sets this off is shady and is like definitely like up for, up for debate. Yes. The rest of it is not. I was going to say, what is not up for debate is Bob Iger's response, which he looks taken aback. And he kind of like, his eyes kind of dart over to Megan and he's trying to figure out what to say. And he's like, oh, really? And then Harry is really awkwardly persistent. Yeah. And that the Harry in the second half of this video makes me want to squirm because he is like so clueless and and thirsty. And I I don't know what's going on, but it's not a great look. He because Bob, Bob, he says to him, you look surprised. Yeah. And. Um, basically Bob Iyer is like, yeah, email me. We'll figure it out. But it's pretty, it's pretty brazen. It's really, really weird. Harry seems very young in this moment. Yeah. He seems like he's like trying to like get a win for his, his wife. It's sweet, I guess. But he just seems really like, uh, naive. It's very strange. Yeah. And also it's, it just is not the video that you want released when, you are trying to engineer financial independence from an institution that is very concerned about how you use its name yeah. in order to make money, yeah. which is the central tension that they're trying to figure out here. It, because traditionally, royals are not allowed to undertake commercial enterprises. Because right. No they income. Just, yeah, because they just don't want to be seen. Royal family has, I think, rightly decided that having a bunch of people just trying to make money off of the the royal name is not a good look and also undermines the, the basic idea of royal family and or their uh, entitlement to financial, to taxpayer money. Right. Because if they can just go make their money their own way, then they don't, the taxpayers don't need to fund them, which is a legitimate argument, I would say. Yeah, definitely. So this is a major tension because Harry and Meghan clearly um, they've trademarked Sussex Royal. They have plans, it would seem, to be, you know, whether it's doing charity work or doing kind of TED Talks and the speaking engagements that you and I talked about. There are a lot of avenues for them, but all of them involve them being making famous. Yeah, being famous because they They're are part of the HRH, royal family. Yeah. And that is kind of, it's not totally untested waters for the royal family, but at this level, it pretty much is. No one this famous has tried to do it before. Right. Right. So, and that brings us to the trademark application where they trademark, trademarked HRH, um, Duke and Duchess of Sussex, which I learned today from a BuzzFeed article that we will come back to. Will and Kate have also trademarked the Cambridge name, which I didn't know. Did you know that? I didn't. So... I think that I'm sure they will like cash in on this kind of thing, but it's also not unprecedented, which it had been presented as last week when it first broke in the press. Right. So I think that's noteworthy. I think like what is and is not unprecedented is useful to understand in this situation just because um, there's so much bomb 
bombast on both sides of this conversation that like bringing we're going to go through some rumors and Mm -hmm. some fact checking right now. Understanding that is important because like there are some things to be like totally gobsmacked about. But then there are others that are just like, oh, okay, keep it moving. Yeah. And I think that's and the entire conversation of Harry and Meghan in the last like three years that's basically been lost. That is very true. I think trademarks in general or one smart thing business. like it, a lot of people do get them do get things trademarked and I feel like it's reported on when it's like someone like Taylor Swift, Swift yeah. or Kylie Jenner or you know it's taken out of context but like most when most people are doing this when there's a way to make a an, a known villain seem even more craven mm-hmm. people tend to take it yes and so that's why I think it was kind of um interesting that the Cambridges had done it too and it's also just sort of like it's smart on the other, like for the Cambridges who presumably will not, will not be trying to make money off it because they, William's going to be king. You also don't want other people using your name. Yeah. And, like, and so like you just own it. So that way, you know, it's protection. You're protecting yourself on all sides. Yeah, I agree with this. Um, should we get into some other things that may or may not be true? Yeah, let's okay. do it. So one that we still, one that's still up for debate is did Buckingham Palace know this was coming? And the Times reported the Duke and Duchess of Sussex felt forced to disclose their plans prematurely after they learned that a son, a tabloid owned by Rupert Murdoch, got wind of the internal discussions about their status and was preparing a story to people with ties to the family said. So I also, when we first discussed this, it was from a page six story, mm-hmm. which is also owned by Rupert Murdoch. So it's possible that the Murdoch media machine learned about this and that kind of like forced their hand. Do you think it's true that Harry disobeyed the queen's directive to not make the announcement. Yes. I do too. I think ultimately everyone knew this was likely. Totally. Just the timing is what was up for debate. Yeah. I think this is a case of kind of all the things are true. And there have been reports of this has been in discussion for weeks and months, right? And that the royal family knew that Harry and Meghan wanted to live in Canada or wanted to live in the UK and that they had been told that the roles would be changing and, you know, that it was part of ongoing negotiations. I think that's all 100 percent true, because I think, as we even said last week, like there was going to have to be some sort of resolution yeah. about Harry and Meghan's role going forward, especially post Prince Andrew. But with the queen getting older, Prince Charles, one day, maybe we'll see taking over the throne. They were starting. They were ha- going to have to have conversations about who does what. Right. And that was always going to be the case. And especially since they have a new family and, you know, things are just getting realigned and William and Harry do have separate jobs. So I think that things were definitely in discussion. There were reports in the Evening Standard that Harry uh, tried to get this going over the Christmas holidays, which is amazing. And Harry, no one works on Christmas. I know. But particularly I, in England. I have to be honest. Like, I feel like my first instinct was like, oh, they they have been doing this and no one wants to answer the phone at Buckingham Palace, yeah. which I, seems to be somewhat true, though the report from the Evening Standard was that Charles was answering Harry and was like, you need to have a written proposal and we need more time to think about this. Reasonable response, Charles. Totally reasonable. And I think probably that the son did know about it and was was going to leak. And Harry and Meghan knew this and tried to get Buckingham Palace to do something. And they declined, too. And Harry and Meghan went for it. I think all of that can be true. I agree with you. Totally. Um, the reason that I think that the palace was caught off guard is because that that statement, that very terse statement does not happen unless they're super, super pissed. Yeah. 
and super, super surprised. Totally. Totally. Um, another few other tib- tidbits on this topic. The uh, And the other reason, well, obviously, obviously people knew this was coming is because they had the extremely in-depth website. Mm-hmm. Which was high, which was um, designed by a firm called Article, Article, a Toronto-based digital firm that designed the TIG, Megan's now defunct lifestyle blog that she began in her acting days. Um, Sunshine Sachs, their PR firm, denied any involvement. <laughs> which, like, true or not, that sucks. If you're like in this PR firestorm and you were not consulted beforehand, that sucks. Like yeah. a very tough day to do your job as a publicist. <laughs> I feel bad for them. Um, and. Yeah, and then another one that's floating around, did Elton John know before the Queen? Elton John has categorically denied this. <laughs> Though I think he has, like, been an advisor to them as, like, yeah. a friend of as a friend of Diana. But he wasn't, like, they didn't call him, like, hey, Elton, most of the website's going live. Yeah, I think that this is, this is the thing, is that a lot of people have probably been in conversation with them. Yeah. A lot of people have been talking about this. We have been talking about this on our podcast. Yeah, right? totally. Like the, the what will Harry and Meghan do? Where will they live? And kind of what were the, will their role be in this increasingly outdated institution? Definitely been on the table. And but the fact that they they didn't call anyone to be like, we're publishing this website. It really does seem to me like the decision to just hit publish yeah. was really impulsive. Yes. And probably because they were scared of the press. Yeah. I did also wonder about the timing of it because I... The website went live about three hours after uh, Donald Trump's press conference about him or his statement about like military yeah. involvement in Iran and how he would like not be pursuing any other things. And I, I wondered whether they were timing it according to various press cycles or whether they were just like, we're going to hit this publish now, no matter what, because our story is the most important story. But the timing was pretty remarkable. Yeah, I will say also like just huge, huge win for the Yorks. Like, <laughs> I haven't thought about them in a while. Don't care about them. Just like they should be, they should thank Harry and Meghan, to be honest. Yeah. That's that's a good note, though. They were like, here's an opportunity. There's so much happening. Also very notably post-election in England. Mm-hmm. So there's no way that it would overshadow that, which is always a concern. And sort of like a kind of like a down period for parliament in general. I feel like British politics is like, now that it's like, okay, well, there will be Brexit with Boris Johnson. There sort of was like, there was like a, a minute to to do it. So they went for it. Yeah. Kind of kind of crazy. Um, The other rumor out there is, is that Justin Trudeau knew before the Queen. And I'm pretty sure that's not true. That also seems not true. I mean, I'm sure, again, like people in Canada had a sense that they were wanting to do this. Because, and they were at the Canadian consulate and everything. But that doesn't mean Justin Trudeau got a phone call being like, hey, we're coming. I would guess that they had an informal conversation with him. Yeah. It's at some point before doing this of being like, we really like living in Canada. And I'm sure he was like, oh, we'd love to have you. Totally. And then that was it. There have been some reports today on Monday that Justin Trudeau has committed to helping pay for their security when they're Mm -hmm. living in Canada, though that is not confirmed. And also how Canadian taxpayers feel about that is yet to be determined. I wouldn't feel good about it were I Canadian. Yeah. No, thanks. Were there any other rumors out there that you were like that made you just go like laugh or chuckle? There, I saw one that this that was like Harry released this at, in fear of a Meghan Markle meltdown. And I was just like, I'm just tired of this hysterical woman like construct. Like, I'm just over it. Yeah. I think the interesting thing is that has been as the days go on. The press is just 
terrible to Meghan Markle, especially the British tabloid press is just kind of indefensibly unfair. And we're going to talk more about that. But and and that is still the case. But people have started blaming Harry more. Yeah. And the narrative is shifting more to this being whether it's a rift between Harry and William or Harry just kind of being a little hot headed or Harry just asking for work from Disney on the red carpet that it's that this is Harry's doing. And I think that that is great from a narrative and fairness perspective. And I also just kind of think is more true. He is this he is Diana's son and she was she did amazing work and had a, a very tragic end to her life, but was also kind of impulsive when it came to media strategy and how she was dealing with her personal life in public. And it's a little familiar. Yeah. And I, I also um, the Tom Bradby Association reminds me of when she called the reporter and then he wrote the book about her. His mm-hmm. name is escaping me. And Andrew Morton. Andrew Morton, yeah. right. Which the Diana musical is based on his book. Yes. Uh, which I saw, by the way. Yeah. Um, <laughs> which will be on Broadway. Not I'm shocked by. Let's let's so BuzzFeed, let's get into this this press coverage. Cause okay. I, I think it's like pretty astounding. BuzzFeed did a pretty cool side by side today by Ellie Hall, who is a um celebrity reporter for them, comparing 20 headlines comparing Meghan Markle to Kate Middleton. And they're on like these very similar topics. And the disparities are absolutely insane. I will say these, we'll say which ones, what, where this comes from, but it's mostly the Daily Mail, the Sun, um, the Express, and really the Daily Mail. It's it's like in the mirror. I mean, it's really all of like the, just the trash, like it's just like really all the tabloids. But let's just go through some of them because it's pretty mm-hmm. unbelievable. The first one she points out, this is from the, the Daily Mail. This is um from 2018 when Kate was pregnant with Louis. Not long to go, pregnant Kate t- Kate tenderly cradles her baby bump while wrapping up her royal duties ahead of maternity leave, and William confirms she's due any minute now. And then there's three pictures of her touching her baby bump. Uh, and then there's one of Megan. One, why can't Megan Markle keep her hands off her bump? Experts tackled the question that has got the nation talking. Is it pride, vanity, acting, or a new age bonding technique? Notably, the Meghan Markle one is not bylined. It's, quote, male on Sunday reporter, because that, even they know that there's no one person who wants to take that's a really good credit point. for this. That's a really, really good point. Yeah. Um, the next one from The Express, absolutely insane. Kate's morning sickness cure, Prince William gifted with a Prince William gifted with an avocado for pregnant duchess. Meghan Markle's beloved avocado linked to human rights abuse and drought, millennial shame. I, I don't it's it's sick. It's absolutely sick. There, there is just also a basic like the British tabloids are, uh, are beyond. Yeah, and and you know it's as as someone who has worked in journalism, I feel both like like awe and shame at watching them. It is it is a singular universe, and they do things in a very specific way. Um, and it, but in this case, it just it's indefensible and. Also baffling. Like, what are we doing here? So baffling. And then things that there are precedent for, they just absolutely ignore. So very notably, when Harry and Meghan were on their sabbatical this year, they missed Christmas at Sandringham. I was bummed because I like seeing what Mm -hmm. Meghan wears when she walks to church. But so be it. We'll all live. Carol wins Granny War. Duke and Duchess of Cambridge will spend second, quote, private, close quote, Christmas with the Middleton family rather than joining the Queen at Sandringham. That's from the 2016 William and Kate plus her children will spend Christmas with the Middletons. They'll be with Kate's family at the family home near Berkshire. 
Usually they join the royal family at the Queen's estate in Norfolk. It will be the second time they spent Christmas with the Middletons doing so in 2011. How wonderful! Two times with the in-laws. That's great. And then this year, also from the Daily Mail, doesn't the Queen deserve better than this baffling festive absence? Richard Kay, who is uh, one of their columnists who writes about this a lot, examines the impact of Prince Harry and Meghan Markle's decision not to spend Christmas with the royal family, Duke and Duchess, and then... It's just uh, understood Sussexes will spend Christmas with Doria at Undisclosed Destination. Their decision to stay away follows their absence from Balmoral in the summer. There are several more like these, like several more. Oh, another one that I really liked was basically um, about both of their weddings. There was one that that highlighted how Kate used uh, Joe Malone candles, which are fucking expensive, Mm -hmm. all over Westminster Abbey to make it smell better. Uh, and then as like, oh, like how amazing that she did this. And then for Megan, kicking up a stink, dictatorial bride wanted air fresheners for, quote, musty 15th century St. George's Chapel. But the palace said no. Yeah. I, I mean, there are so many more, so many examples. And I think especially the way that Megan was covered and it was instantly called Megxit, which, yeah, which you know, is funny. W- which is funny. I mean, sometimes it's there and you, you got to go with the fruit. name. And I think also, especially from the American perspective, there was like a lot of celebration of like good riddance yeah. um, to the royal family and uh, someone breaks free, which is a legitimate perspective or, you know, opinion. But this is this is wild and, and undeniable. Yeah. Good. Good job by Ellie Hall. I really appreciate this. Yeah. Um. And it, it's just appalling. I mean, yeah, it's it's like, I think the word bullying is used too frequently, but I do think this is bullying. This Absolutely. Is, this is like really horrible treatment and unfair, and I would also want to get away from it. It's crazy. Yeah. It's, I, she was completely right that it is, it has not been fair treatment at all. It hasn't. It really hasn't. And this like puts it on front street. And I still understand not loving Harry and Meghan. Like, I get that. I, I think that there's, I think that the video of Harry talking to Bye Bye does, does, does him no favors. Yeah. Um, and it's often hard to defend them. But I do think one of the reasons it's hard to defend them is because how slanted the press is. Yeah. No, it's very true. I've been thinking a lot about this. I have been interrogating my own response to this and what it means about my investment in this entirely uh, bizarre, outdated institution and all of these people uh, since the news broke. But I, one thing I noticed, I, I consume a lot of essentially fan fiction about the royals. I mean, it's not really fan fiction because, you know, it's um, it's either The Crown, it's on Netflix, it's there are books written like The Royal We, which you and I loved. Um, there was a, a play that I believe won a lot of Olivier's and Tony's called King Charles III. Yes. And it's which I saw. I was lucky enough to see on Broadway. Um, and it, it's a it's imagining Charles's reign. He becomes king. And, you know, I also recently finally read um, Red, White and Royal Blue, mm. which we discussed. I read it as well. Didn't like it. Yeah, it's it was a little too romance novel for me. But it was too much dialogue that was bad, in my opinion. Carry on. The, the emails were tough. I skimmed the emails. But what I thought was interesting about that book and King Charles III and and all of these kind of imagined portrayals of the royal family is that all of them have like the Prince Harry wants out narrative. Right. And it's always Prince Harry. And he always is like crushed by the sense of duty and not being able to be who he wants to be in the royal family. And there's no use for him. And and they're they're really sympathetic. Yeah. And in the context of these fictional like worlds, you're always like, oh, this everyone 
who is a senior member of the royal family is like cruel and these rules make no sense. And the world really just wants these people to be who they are. So it, it's it, I, I haven't totally responded to that. And I've been trying to figure out why. And I think it's because in those fictional narratives, the people are always like, well, I just want to go live a like quiet life somewhere or I want to do the work that I want to do, or I just, I don't want the burden. I don't want the press. And the way that Harry and Meghan did this, like made it very clear to me that they still want the press. Yes, they definitely do. And that's, that is the thing that has, that I'm reserved about. Yes. If that makes any sense. I agree with you. They want the celebrity without the like royal obligation, essentially. Yeah. And on the one hand, that's like, I think very au au courant. (laughs) Yeah. That makes a lot of sense. Who wouldn't? And I think also it, there is a really human aspect to this. If they are bullied all of the time, they can't do what they want. Harry is definitely like the leftover in that family. And they're they just kind of live a pretty closed off life. So I totally get not wanting to be a part of it anymore. And then I do also think that they are pretty entitled and are like, well, we still deserve to have all of the fame and attention and make money off of it. We just uh, aren't going to do it with our family. Totally. And I think both things are true. Yeah. That's where I am with it anyway. Yeah. I I still feel pretty much like what I said last week, which is I think they have a lot of good ideas. Yeah. I think they mostly are well-intentioned. I think they are incredibly petty in how they do things. Yeah. That's, I th- that's, that's a good way of putting it. And that makes it difficult to root for them. And, and also just seem like really like transparent and like the desire for celebrity, which is like, I don't know why we hold it against them so much because there's so many people in the celebrity ecosphere. I guess with Harry, it's like he was born into it, but in some ways like that should make it like even more acceptable. It's like, this is all he knows is being super famous. Right. But I guess like pretending he's no longer pretending he doesn't like being famous. He just doesn't like being hampered by like Royal rules. Um, I don't know. I think in some ways they're held to unfair standards, but they also just like do stuff that you're just like have a little bit more grace. Like if you did this more gracefully, it'd be a lot easier. Yeah, it's complicated because I've been thinking a lot about how I don't really watch reality TV in the way that you do. Yeah. And most of the celebrities who I'm really interested in um, are famous for some other talent or for some other reason or for some circumstance of their birth, which is I'm not validating this. I mean, the royal family is an institution. I'm fascinated with it, but I know that it's like beyond problematic. It's like it's archaic. Uh, But I don't really gravitate towards people who like want to be famous. Right. Which I think is honestly more fucked up. Like I am only interested in people who are trapped in circumstances (laughs) that they don't want to be a part of, which is like horrible. And I've been thinking about that. But there is something about their um willingness to participate in certain aspects of the circus and their interest in participating in certain aspects of their circus that I I'm resistant to. That said, I think they're probably like they're definitely right about how the royal family needs to be updated. I think in terms of trying to figure out a way to be themselves in 2020, they are the definitely the most visionary people at the table and hopefully more people figure it out. So I, I think I am. I'm rooting for everyone to figure it out. Sure. I I agree with you. And I think also, you know, we've gone almost 45 minutes and we haven't really talked about like racism. And I also just think that's like something you and I don't have a lot of access to is to white women. That's not like an experience that we have. But I think that there's just like an undeniable racism that suffuses all the negative press press that Megan gets Mm -hmm. that is also like 
you know, I, I think that she just like doesn't do herself any favors, like I was saying before, but also has a type of experience that like you and I just can't understand. Yeah. And there's like a level of racism that we don't have access to, but I know it exists. And also, you know, I think like kind of gets lost in this conversation because they are so rich and privileged and royal, but it's still very real. I think that's an extremely important point. One of the reports that I believed like the most this weekend, or I thought had the most kind of truth to it was at some point, Megan just saying, like, I don't want to go back. I don't yeah. want to be a part of this anymore. And I think that is 100% understandable and valid. And and I would not either. And I don't even really have the knowledge of the, f- the full weight of her experience. Um, and, I, and I do think that that makes a lot of sense of her just being like, I don't want to do this anymore. And Harry being like, OK, well, this is my wife. This is the only person who has ever made me feel like a normal person. And so I got to figure out what I got to figure out and then reacting and managing the situation in not the most strategic way. Yeah. Does that make any sense? Yeah, definitely. And I will say the two most notable celebrities who they have turned to are Oprah mm-hmm. and Elton John, both of whom are, you know, Elton John is a is a gay man who was has always been gay long before it was like common. And Oprah is a black woman. Like they have extraordinary experience in a way that is probably more relatable to Megan than other royals. And so that makes sense to me. And not to mention Elton John knew Diana very well. So like, you know, there's just a, there's that kind of thing actually makes sense to me as it, as ridiculous. It might be like Oprah and Elton John are the most relatable. I, (laughs) I I get it for them because it's like such an extraordinary situation that I think they both have insight into for their very specific conundrum. So again, I find a lot of what they do hard to defend. But on the other hand, I think there's so many factors that we can't have access to that I also am just hesitant to judge. Yeah. The thing that is so fascinating about this and is and why it's occupied such a monumental part of my brain space for the last, what, five days or week and will continue to, is that it's, it, I mean, it's public. It's about issues of not quite government, but government structure and institutions and money and celebrity and 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 how those things are all organized. Um, but and and changing. But it is also like an intensely personal family affair. Yeah. And the and those things are inseparable. And it's kind of really the only place in the world where they are inseparable because these people are a family. And there yeah. are those as she really pointed out today, Liz. Yeah. But I mean, but it's you know how the family can just really press a button that literally no one else in the world can and you'll overreact and you'll act badly and you're so sensitive to them. That's happening. But also millions of people are being really nosy about it simultaneously. Yeah. And paying you to be a part of it. Fascinating. It's kind of an interesting um, riff on the second wave feminist saying of the personal is political. Mm-hmm. And um, second wave feminism also like famously not particularly uh, recognizing of different racial and class situations. Very true. Um, but there's just a lot. There's like a lot to parse there. I think this is so fascinating because it touches on so many different like political waves that aren't necessarily thought of as political. And I also think that it's still very difficult to be a woman in public life, which is outside of the the very clear celebrity um, complex in Hollywood around being an actress, essentially, where even that there's like still a lot of strides being made in the last couple of years. But there's sort of more of like a protocol for someone like Laura Dern or someone 
like Zoe Kravitz or like just someone who has like a job that you can identify, which is like being on Big Little Lies. Um, and there's just like a lot of there's just like a lot at play here. And people just res- respond really, really violently, <laughs> like not actually violently, but there's just really strong responses. Yes, it's it's a lot. It is a lot. I, I will say, I, I say by everything we just said, and it is very serious. And there are a lot of like issues of of uh, politics and, you know, and both like actual politics, but also like sociopolitical issues and and family and emotions and and history and all sorts of stuff. It's also just amazing, frivolous stuff. Yeah. It, it, like it is it because some of it is just you can't believe that something like the royal family still exists. And I know. Like, this is what we're fighting over. And people bickering and making various statements. And there's like a whole flock of assistants and courtiers who are meant to do all the fighting for the real people. It It is, it, it's remarkable and hard to look away. <laughs> On that note, we'll be back next week. And if there's major breaking updates, we'll be back as well. Uh, in the meantime, thanks for listening. And, um, you know, just... Be wary of your sources, as always. 